I am, uh, first of all, just thankful that, uh, thankful to God that my daughters are um, with me, thankful to God that they're serving God, and I just want to say that I have beautiful daughters, and I'm thankful for them. Uh, as Mike said, we've known each other for 30 plus years, and actually, you know, your pastor at one time used to be my boss there at uh, Kenneth Hagen Ministries, and so that's how the, really it all started. And, uh, you know, it's like, isn't it funny how, like, we, like, you, you have to learn how to put the different hats on. So there was a time that he was my boss, and it was great. And then eventually we became friends, and then you become peers in the ministry. It's, it's all wonderful. But anyway, he was a good boss. And uh, I was, I enjoyed the, uh, the ministry of the Word this morning, and you guys get some rich stuff here. And uh, I, I don't know, like, I've been traveling and listening to a lot of preachers for a long time. And some of the things he said this morning, I was getting as much down on my iPad as I could because he said them in a really awesome and fresh way and said some things I've never heard said before about a subject that I heard preached quite often, the subject of faith. And I also teach and preach it. So it was awesome, Mike, and it's good to sit under that word. We'll pray and get into it tonight. Father, thank you so much uh, for what you have tonight. I thank you that you uh, speak to every single person here tonight because every single person needs to hear your word. So I thank you, Father. I thank you that your Holy Spirit, I acknowledge the Holy Spirit is the great teacher tonight. And I know that I am nothing without you or your spirit or the grace of God. So I just yield to you. And I thank you, Father God, for using me the way you want to tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as I get into this tonight, I know it's healing school. I'd just like to give you a little background if you don't know my background. So I grew up in a large Italian Catholic family. My parents had, my mother and father had seven boys, okay? And so we were in church every single weekend on the front row when I grew up. That's kind of how I grew up. And because there were so many of us, like we had two, and then like my father, then we had three, then like my mother, then two more. And, you know, Catholic church can be pretty boring. And if we start laughing or talking, my father slipped off his belt and my mother took off a shoe and we got hit with a shoe or a belt during the service. And so we were kind of like taught to sit on the front row and to behave in church, you know, but... But, but here, here's the thing. I sat on the front row in church for 23 years of my life, and I never knew Jesus. I never got to know Jesus, okay? And you can, because like, there has to be something preached before you can get to know Jesus. And there wasn't being anything preached that helped me to, to know who Jesus was. Now, that's my brand, I know that it's a big church and they're everywhere and I know they can vary. So I'm I'm not talking bad and I'm not trying to make them look bad. But when I grew up at that time in my state and in my city, that's the way it happened with me. Okay. And so uh, what happened was then my brother, Dave, who would be two years younger than me right now, he was an epileptic and my father dropped him off at a party. It was the first time that nobody in our family was with him. He had a grand mal seizure near a lake and nobody saw it. He fell in and he drowned and he was at the bottom of the lake at the end of the day. They couldn't find him. 
So they called the fire department and they dragged it. They called my parents. My father jumped in the car with my mother, rushed there, and they saw my, my brother get pulled up out of a lake dead. Okay? I was out with my brother Mike, who now pastors in Canton, Ohio. We were out at the discotheque looking for girls when my brother died. You know? And... uh and so that's really all I live for is to go to the discotheque back now. I don't know what they call them nowadays, but it was about looking as good as you can, going out, making an impression, you know, uh, sometimes drinking and all that other stuff. That's what I did before I got to know Jesus, okay? But now I have a brother that died, so we began some conversation, my brother Joe and I, and we began to say, you know, 20, my brother was 21 years old. Like, is that all life has? Like 21 years, where did he go? It didn't matter that we sat on the front row in church every Sunday. Unless you are born again and know Jesus, it's hard to comprehend the spiritual realm. And we thought, where is our brother Dave? Is it over after 21 years? And right at the time that we were asking those questions, God is so good that he sent somebody to us to tell us about Jesus. Now this guy, his name was Lou Shabu. He was a, a French-American guy. And Lou Shabu was a strange dude. But God used him anyway. And he began to tell my brother Joe about Jesus. And you know what my brother Joe did? He actually listened. And you know, just making this really short, my brother Joe got born again and gave his life to Jesus Okay, and so what happened is then he started to change. All of a sudden, he's like not cussing and he's being nice in our house. And we thought this guy's in a cult. <laughs> and so my mother said, go find out what he's doing. And I said, I'm going to go to this Bible study. And he was my younger brother by four years. And back then I was like a big weightlifter guy. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'm going to go in there, and if they're brainwashing my brother, I'll pull him out by the ear, and if any of those sissy Christians try to do anything, I'll pop them. <laughs> so I went to the Bible study, and lo and behold, when I walked into this Bible study, see, um, at the time, my brother Joe and I were in business together, and we owned a gymnasium. We trained guys, and I was a bodybuilder, you know, and my brother, and I didn't know it. There was an underground movement going on at our gymnasium, our bo- our, whatever you want to call it, our health club. And there was like 15 weightlifters sitting around a table at a Bible study. You know, and this one guy, Steve Cattell was his name. This, he was this Italian guy from Pennsylvania. He could bench press 500 pounds. And there was a few others. This other guy named Pucci. He was a street fighter before he got saved. I knew right away I wasn't going to be popping anybody. Okay. And then my, my brother Joe, he put a Bible in front of me and he said, read that verse. It was John 3, 16. That, that God, I mean, John 3, 3. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I read that verse and I looked at my brother and I said, are you trying to tell me that I'm not going to heaven? You know all Catholics go to heaven. And my brother looked at me and he said, no, only the Catholics that are born again go to heaven. That was a good answer for somebody that was only saved a couple weeks. Well, I went to the Bible study a second time, and then I went to the Bible study a third time. But before I ever went the third time, I knew that I was going to accept Jesus that night, even before it started. 
I just couldn't wait for it to get over. When that Bible uh, uh, study was over, I, I told him at the end, I said, I would like to make Jesus my Lord. Now, Lou Shabu was shocked because he thought the devil sent me there to torment them. He had no idea what was going on in my heart, how empty I was and how much I needed Jesus. And when we finished that Bible study, we all went outside. It was in the middle of the winter up in Ohio, you know, Warren, Ohio, cold as all in January. But we got the restaurant was closed and they said, leave. We stood out in a parking lot and 15 big weightlifters held hands with me in the middle of the circle with little Lou Shabu. Lou Shabu was just a little guy, you know, and he was hanging around all these big bodybuilder guys. Okay, and Lou led me in a prayer and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord that night. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You know, uh, once I accepted him and confessed him as Lord, you know, I had no joy. I had uh, I had so much emptiness in me. I tried to fill the emptiness up going out to the nightclubs and drinking and all that other stuff. It doesn't work. And all of a sudden now I accept Jesus as my Lord and I'm no longer empty. I have joy. And, and somebody said this one time. There was this one young lady that uh, was in a church and every time she heard, kept going to church, she would always come up and ask the preacher, if I get saved, can I still dance? And, and this one preacher kept saying no. Well, then there was a guest minister in and she came up and asked the guest minister, if I get saved, can I still dance? And he says, if you get saved, you can dance all you want to. And she said, really? And she said, okay, I want to get saved. So she gave her life to Jesus. The next time the guest minister visited the church, the girl came up and he goes, hey, are you still dancing? She goes, funny thing, once I got saved, I didn't want to. You know why? Because as soon as Jesus comes on the inside of you, he changes your want to. And you want to do different things. And you have such a full and whole life. And so that's kind of like my background. So that's like over 30 years ago. And, and I tell you, you know, it's been a good 30 years of joy and fulfillment. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you don't know Jesus, there'll be an opportunity for you. But I want to get back to my brother who died. Uh, he drowned. And see, when he drowned then, uh, I want to say this, that we took him while he was alive to the priest. And he wanted to commit suicide. And so we took him to the priest because he couldn't ride his bicycle. He couldn't swim. He could. He always had to have somebody watching him because at any time he could have a seizure. So we took him and he wanted to commit suicide. And he was told this, he said, by the priest, he said, listen, this is the cross that God gave you to carry. And he said, because he trusted you like he couldn't trust anybody else. And you should thank him for this cross. Well, that didn't help my brother at all. But you, you see, then at my brother's funeral, I'm, we're, me and my other five brothers are standing there with my parents as people come by. And I talked to, told my one of my brothers, well, no, well, at the funeral, I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. At the funeral, we were talking about going to the first people's house that had the lake and destroying it that night because we thought they collaborated and did something to my brother. That's like a whole different story. My father said, if you do that, I'll break your legs. That's how my father dealt with us before we were saved. But here's what I wanted to say. A year later, after we got saved, we met these two young ladies that led my brother to the Lord one hour before he drowned. They were at the party. 
And, and so I just, a word of encouragement. You might think you have relatives that went to hell, but you don't know because God is so merciful. He gives everybody a chance to hear the gospel. But here's what I wanted to say. Once I found out that my brother accepted the Lord before he died and he went to heaven, you know what I told my brother Joe? I said, isn't God wise? He got, he got our brother saved and then he killed him so he didn't have to suffer with epilepsy because I didn't know what the Bible said. I didn't know, I didn't know what the Bible said. Okay. And so, um, it's so important to know what the Bible says. And so, you know, you, you might think that God might take somebody's life so they don't have to suffer. No, really God wants to heal them so they don't have to suffer. Okay. So, so listen, here's what we're going to do. Two things tonight. I want to, first of all, just say this. It's important for everybody. And I know you're so well taught, but it's good to hear it again. Here's the question. Is healing for everybody or is it just for a chosen few people? Okay. And I know that most of you know it's for everybody. But here's, here's the key to this now. You only would know healing is for everyone if you could find it in the atonement. If healing isn't in the atonement, then it would be for some people, but not for everybody. So we want to just look at something here in the Word of God tonight because this is the key to understanding this. So go to the book of Job, and here's where we'll start out tonight. Job chapter 19 and verse 25. It says this. It says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the last on the earth. So think about Job. Now, maybe some of you aren't churched people, and you're, you're here tonight, and you don't know a lot about the Bible. So in a nutshell, Job had a lot of problems. Job had some tough things going on. But here's the thing. Job knew in his heart that in the last days, the answer to all his problems would stand on the earth. That's what he said. He said, my Redeemer lives, and at the last days, he's going to stand on the earth. So here's what, what, what was Job? Job didn't know it, but he was, he was speaking and prophesying about the future. And basically, a lot of people like to get into the book of Job and say, well, you know, Job is about suffering. But what I see the book of Job as, it's a mini story of redemption. And really, the book of Job is about this. Every single one of your problems are solved in Christ. That's what it's about. So he said, I know my Redeemer lives and he's going to stand on the earth in the last days. Okay, so Jesus already stood on the earth. It already happened and he already did some work. But here's something else in the book of Job. You know, every one of his problems would have been saved in Christ. But I want you to look at Job 33 and verse 23, 24, 25 and 26. And I, I don't know what translation it is. I don't always use the King James, but... uh and I didn't write this, the translation down on this, okay? But here's what it says. It says, if there is a messenger for him, this is one of Job's comforters, and he's trying to tell this to Job now. He said, a mediator, one among a thousand, to show man his uprightness. I want you to notice he's talking about a mediator there. He, now, that translation says a redeemer. I, liked, I use this because I like that word mediator. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Okay, so it says now, if there's a mediator, if there could be this person that stood between God and man, if there could be somebody like that, okay, and then it it says this in verse 24, it says, then he is gracious to him, and here's it, he says, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. 
Okay, so Jesus, okay, Job knew, and the book of Job is a prophetic book, and some people don't see it that way, but it's prophesying that all of your problems, everything is taken care of in Christ, and Jesus is a ransom. Now look at this thing, like somebody says, well, is healing in the atonement? Even the book that has been used to prove that God, some people use it for that way, it's not that, it should be, it shouldn't be that way, Job has been used to say that we should suffer. That very book that has been misused, you can see healing in the atonement because this next verse says, look, it. if you can find this ransom, then here's what's going to happen. If there's somebody between God and man and he's a ransom, it's gonna, here's what's going to happen. It, um, it says, and he's gracious. The next verse, um, his flesh shall be young like a child's he shall return to the days of his youth. Isn't that awesome? Right there in the book of Job, if there is, could be a mediator, if you could find a ransom, then there's going to be this result that if he comes and pays a price, then it can heal man's flesh. Right in that book, you can see that Job is a mini story of redemption and you can see that healing belongs to everybody. And here, why is that important? Well, here's why it's important. You, you'll run across someday some people that say, well, God heals some people and he doesn't heal others. If you ever buy into that, then you know what? How do you know what person you are? How do you know if the one he, if, if you're the one he heals or doesn't heal? And then if it takes a little while for your healing to manifest, you'll start thinking, well, maybe I'm not that person. And you don't have anything to stand on. One of the most important things that you should do in your life is settle it as fast as you can is healing in the atonement. Does God heal everybody or does he only heal some? It's an important thing to settle. You might say, well, I know some people that believed it, but they still died. Well, we don't, we don't construct doctrine based upon people. We construct it based upon what God says. And even uh, Kenneth Hagin, who uh, was somebody that lived a very long and health, healthy life, he said uh, a couple times, if I fell dead, would you still believe the Bible? I thought that was significant. And he said, you better believe the Bible and you don't, you don't put your eyes on people. Okay? So you have to settle it. Is it for everybody? And so even in the book of Job, you see that you can see that Jesus did two things. He took care of our sin and he took care of sickness with one stroke. He did two things. When he died. So you see in verse 25, it says, His flesh shall be young like a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray to God. This is the next verse. So you see healing in one verse. The next verse says, You shall pray to God. He will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, for he shall restore to man his righteousness. You can see right in the book of Job the two things that God did. He forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. It says, if you can find a mediator, if, you, if there is a ransom for man, then you're going to have these two things. You're going to have forgiveness of sins and you're going to have healing for the physical body. The book of Job clearly says that we have healing in the atonement. Healing is for everybody. Now, one verse to, to solidify it even more, Isaiah 53 and verse 4 and 5 this is the great uh, scriptures about what Jesus is going to do. And so let's, let's look at those real quickly. Isaiah 53 and 4, it says, Surely 
our sickness, and this is the Young's literal translation. So this, this translation is a very accurate translation. The Young's literal, it says, Surely our sickness he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. So what you see there is Jesus himself, he took our sickness, he bore them, he took the sicknesses, he took our pains. So like in a practical way, we have the right then to say, Jesus took my sickness. Not only did he do that, he took my pains. Now, some of you young people, that might not mean as much to you, but it sure means a lot more the older you get. And some of you older ones know what I'm talking about. But it's, it's good. You know, uh, we had somebody there in Australia about my age and uh, don't know why, because they sit under the teaching, but they began to try to tell my wife and I, Say, hey, you guys aren't spring chickens any longer. Your bodies are going to start breaking down and, you know, this and that and that. And I, I said, like, you know, I know that I know that things try to come on me. And I know that, uh, you know, I know exactly what my, my body talks to me, but I'm not going to accept what you're telling me. I'm not going to accept that. I want to keep saying that Jesus took my pains. I'm going to keep saying that he took my sickness. I'm not going to give in to that. And, uh, but people will try to get you to give into it. Okay. And, uh, and then this next verse, it says he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him. And by his bruise, there is healing to us. I, I like that translate. So wh- what do you see there? You see the twofold thing. He took care of the sin problem, forgiveness of sins, and he took care of the physical body, the sickness problem. So you see that right there. You know, it goes through the Bible. you got Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why? Because he does what? He forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. That one swing that he took, took care of two things. Forgiveness of sins and also healing for the physical body. So here's a thought that you should really take in here. Our situation does not determine God's will for our lives. So your situation, my situation, does not determine God's will for our life. What determines God's will for my life and your life? It's the word of God that determines what's going on in our life, our destiny. It isn't what you're in right now that shapes your destiny. God already did everything to shape our destiny. And here's another thought. Our situation does not change God's word. God's word changes our situation. Okay, so you got these people out in the world and they, they kind of just like wake up in the morning and they wait to see how their day comes to them. And I'm so thankful that I heard somebody say many years ago that when Smith Wigglesworth woke up in the morning, that he didn't wait to see how his day came to him He declared how his day was going to be. I'm glad that we don't have to live in darkness. I'm glad that we don't have to live a wondering life and wonder about things. I'm glad we can get up in the morning and say, this is what God's word says about my day. And this is the way that I'm going to have my day. Instead of just living a wondering life, kind of like in the dark. It's it's kind of, isn't it amazing how that seems so stupid? 
after you go this other direction? Thank God for his goodness. Okay? And so, like, like here's, here's the last thing that I want to get into. There's only two things. I, I wanted to talk and, and really show from the word of God tonight that healing's for everybody. But then, if it is for everybody, the second thing that's important is then how does God deliver that to us? Okay? And really, when we think about how God delivers healing to us, there's different ways that God does. I mean, God is so merciful that he made, he made it possible for us to get healing in a variety of ways. I don't think that God sat up there and said, well, I'm going to just do a variety, you know, just to do it. I think because he's so loving and so merciful, he has a variety of ways that we can get to him because he wants to make sure we get to him. That's how good he is. And so there's certain uh, things when it comes to healing. Anything that can happen more than one time the same way, you could say that's a method of healing. Okay? So Jesus, you know, he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Okay? So he explained, he proclaimed, and he healed. And something Jesus did quite often was he laid hands on the sick. The way Jesus delivered healing to uh, people was by the laying on of hands. That's how he uh, dispensed or delivered the power of God. You could say that's how he dispensed and delivered what someday he would purchase for us. He was giving us an example. He was here on the earth showing us someday that after he paid the sacrifice, uh, that we could do the same works that he did. And one of the works that he did quite often was he laid hands on the sick. Okay, so uh, I know that, uh, like, let's just think about your life right now because you're here, some of you are here, and some of you don't need healing. You, you know, like, maybe the majority of you tonight don't need healing. So, like, you're sitting in this auditorium, and maybe you don't need healing, but, like, think about this now. What do you, how do you see yourself when you walk out the doors of this church? Do you, do you see yourself as a lawyer? Do you see yourself... As a doctor, do you see yourself as a clerk? Do you see yourself as a truck driver? Do you see yourself as, as you know, a carpenter, a plumber, uh, you know, a hairdresser? How, how, what do you say about yourself and how do you see yourself when you walk out the doors of the church? Well, here's a, a thought if you haven't really thought about this. You should see yourself, in a sense, as a mini-Jesus that's here to explain things to people proclaim things to people, and demonstrate things to people. In other words, you do the greater works, uh, and you do the works of Jesus and the greater works. That's how you see yourself. So you happen to be this Christian that lays hands on the sick. Uh, you do that, but you happen to be a carpenter. That's The carpenter is what you do to have finances, but who you really are is you are a powerful Christian in this, earth, in this earth, on this earth. That's who you really are. So you might think, well, you know, well, what I, I need to find out what am I going to do for a career? Well, you know, career can bring in money and, and it's necessary to live with money. But you know, your, your greatest value is who you are for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, like the most important thing on the earth. The local church is the most important thing on the earth. That's the way I see it. You guys are quiet. Maybe you're struggling with that. General Motors is not the most important thing on the earth. Uh, mobile oil company is not the most important thing on the earth. Pharmaceutical companies aren't the most important thing on the earth. Uh, gold mines aren't the most important thing on the earth. The church is the most important thing on the earth. And those, the church is made up of people.
That's the most important thing going on the earth. You want to, you know, that's where you put your, the blessed place to put your money is in the church because it's the most important thing going. It isn't any big CEO corporate thing going. Now, if you're a CEO, don't misunderstand me. I respect you for what you've done, but you're actually a, a born again, spirit filled Christian in a place of a CEO. And you can get to some very influential people that I can't. And you're there to share Jesus with them. And you just happen to be a CEO. Okay. So you might not need healing tonight, but if you can get a grip on this, that, you know, do you know how to deliver healing to somebody? Do you know how to do it? You know, because that's really what we're on the earth for. That's what we're on the earth for. I mean, there's nothing else that, that, uh, there's nothing else that's fulfilling. You know, I went to a concert, uh, uh, I stayed away from secular music for years. I was telling Pastor Mike on the way here that after I got saved, I didn't listen to secular music for uh, almost 20 years. I, I just had, I was a musician. You know, like, you, know, you know, like when you've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt? Man, I've been a lot of places. I bought a lot of T-shirts. And man, I can tell you, Jesus is way better than them all. So like, you know, I, I, you know, like I can go and listen to a group and think I, I can do all that. I, I can play the drums, the bass, the guitar, and the piano. I play the drums and the bass the best, you know. And, uh, and so I'm not infatuated by music or musicians. I'm not infatuated by them. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I did marijuana. I did drugs, did liquor. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Jesus is way better, man. Okay? So, you know, not, none of that stuff uh, it d- does anything. You know, like... The, you know, if, if you just can understand, there's nothing out there that's better than Jesus. Nothing out there better than Jesus. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. And you older ones, like around my age, you understand this. Life goes by faster than you think it does. And, you know, and, and, and I'm just glad that I've given my life to Jesus and I've been with him for these 30 plus years. And I just want to encourage you young ones. You know, I love the way you're all sitting together over there. You know, I want to just say to you, young ones, there, there's nothing better than Jesus, man. And you won't find anything that makes you feel fulfilled. You might think something might make you feel fulfilled, but you'll never get fulfillment like you will from Jesus. And so start seeing yourself, really, at your age, start seeing yourself like who you really are. So you might be pre- preparing yourself for careers you know, and you might have different uh, thoughts about what you're going to do when you grow up, but make sure you know who you really are. And so when you get your career, you're just kind of doing that because you got to do that for finances. You got to do that to live, but like you're in a place to influence people. Nobody else can influence. And I, and I love it. You know, when there's foot, football players that know Jesus, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what they have a passion to do playing football but they're influencing people in a much, uh, uh, they're influencing some high up people and they're influencing multitudes of people when they talk about Jesus after they win a championship. I love that stuff. So not, it's like a fun thing to do, play sports and everything, but they're, they're doing it for Jesus, okay? So um, we're talking about real quickly here, just dispensing the power of God. I don't know, I'm getting pulled off here and there tonight, but I'm just following uh, the spirit of God. So these things that I'm saying, I believe that, uh, there's a reason they're coming out this way tonight. Okay. Um, so 
do you, my question was, do you know how to dispense the power of God? So God made a variety of ways. So one way that we can do it, and, and you guys are on an awesome series here about faith, where, where you develop your faith and you speak to your mountain and you uh, take control of your destiny by what you believe and what you say, that was what, what was taught today. So that's one thing that you can do as a Christian. But now people out there that you minister to, they're not developing their faith and they're, they don't know the ABCs of faith. And so when Jesus walked on the earth, I think that's one reason why that he explained things and he proclaimed things, but he also helped them by laying, it was a point of contact and it was also, it's actually the point of contact was when the power of God, he laid hands on people. And, and you know, God is so good. You, you guys, you can go, you can find people that aren't Christians that are sick and if you share Jesus with them and pray for them, God will heal them before they get saved. And probably the thing is they'll want to get saved after they get healed. That's how good God is. So, you know, like you have an unlimited uh, possibility. There, your possibilities are unlimited when you walk out those doors on what you can do. And uh, so the thing is you want to make sure you learn, you learn how to do it. And so there's just these basic things like faith, as we heard this morning, comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So you you are, say you're at work or you're somewhere and there's a sick person. The first thing you have to do is you have to explain some things to them. And you get, you start explaining some things to them. What happens? Faith comes. Isn't that right? So your, your first thing normally is if you're not doing it from a pulpit, you're going to sit down and you're going to share something with them to get faith in them. So like, like let's take the lady with the issue of blood, for example. The lady with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. It's, it's that when she heard about Jesus, okay, she heard something, then she said something. So she said, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. So somebody told this lady that Jesus was anointed and whoever touched him or whoever he touched was being made whole. Okay, so um, what does that tell you? Somebody either somebody sat down with this lady and said, there's an anointed person. And if you can get to this person and touch him, the power will go out of that person and into you and you'll be healed. Somebody told that to that lady. So what does that mean? They sat down and explained something to her. As a Christian, there's times that you have to sit down and explain something to somebody. Okay, that's the start. Okay, so you sit down and you say, hey, you know, God flows, God will flow through people. And then you can talk about that. You can tell them, then show them that believers can lay hands on the sick and sick people will be healed. You, you show them that. And, and so you, got, you have to get it to where then, especially your friends and your relatives, they don't really always want us to have more than they, anything more than they have. So like if you got relatives and family people and you got some friends, a, a lot of times... It, it doesn't happen real quickly because they don't really want to believe that you got God flowing through you. And sometimes you actually have to pray that God sends somebody else to them. But there's other times that you, I mean, I've prayed for my relatives and I prayed for my friends before and they were able to receive from me. But they have to understand that the power will flow through you. Okay, so here's some scriptures. Um, and just to do that real quickly, like Numbers 27 and verse 18, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. 
So he does that. And look at verse 23. It says he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, and verse 9, here's the results. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord commanded. So what happened here is you see that there was a transfer of, of wisdom because the laying on of hands was a point of contact and God used that and God t- took the wisdom that Moses had and got it into Joshua. So you see that there was something that happened by the laying on of hands. Now, so if you're going to minister, you have to believe that you have something. You have to believe you have something. Okay? If you don't believe you have something, it limits you. So you have to be willing to sit down with somebody. You have to find out kind of where they are. You, you got to let the Lord put some scriptures in your heart. You can share some scriptures, but then you have to believe you have something. Okay? Uh, look, look at this scripture here. Second uh, Kings 13 and verse 20, it says, Elisha died and was buried. Every year in the spring, Moab's leaders sent raiding parties into Israel. So Elisha's, you know, dead. And then um, once, uh, and then Second Kings thirteen twenty one, it says, once while some Israelites were burying a man's body, they saw a group of Moabites. The Israelites quickly threw the body into Elisha's tomb and ran away. As soon as the man's body touched the bones of Elisha, the man came back to life and stood up. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that there was a dead prophet and his bones still had a residue of the power of God in him. And this dead soldier hits the bones and God's uh, power and life goes into this dead soldier and he raises from the dead. Now, that's a dead prophet's bones. Now, it's believers. God said this. He said, you'll lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. That's what he said. God's saying, whether you can see yourself that way, whether I can see, and I, I can, I can believe it for myself. I believe God's power flows through my hands. I don't say that out of arrogance, but I say it because the Bible says it. Okay. And you have to believe you have something to give. Peter and, uh, uh, Peter and John, they said, uh, when they prayed in the book of Acts, they had, they said, such as I have, I give. They knew they had something to give. Okay. So, you know, if you don't know that yet and you think that you're always the one that has to get it from somebody else, you kind of locate yourself and you know, well, I got to go up a level here because if you're a Christian, you know, you have to believe that you can lay hands on the sick and you have something to give. Doesn't mean that you go into the full time ministry. It doesn't mean you don't need a local church. Everybody. Every evangelist need a local church, like pastors. Uh, everybody needs a pastor. Before I pastored, I had a pastor. Okay, but but people in church though they can minister. Everybody that sits in a pew has the power of God that flows through them, and you have to know that you have it. Okay. So we could say this: that one of the ways, not the only way, because there's a variety of ways, but one of the ways that God gets his power to people is by the laying on of hands. So you can say the laying on of hands dispenses God's power. So can you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that your hands are holy? Do you believe that God's power will flow through your hands? 
you know, and there's stories about you, some of you younger, smaller kids. There's stories about kids your age that laid hands on the sick and God's power flowed through kids that were only 10 and 13 years old. And, and, and there were significant healings that took place from younger children laying hands on sick people. Okay. So it doesn't mean you're ready for a leadership position when you're 10 and 13 years old. But it means what it does mean is you're a Christian when you're 10 and 13 years old. And it says believers will lay hands on the sick. Okay, so you you can believe that. You don't have to wait till you're 20, 30, 40, or 50 years old to lay hands on the sick. Okay, you can do it now. Anybody that's a believer can lay hands on the sick. Okay, but you still have to go through the process for leadership training uh, if you're going to be in leadership. Okay, now... Here's another scripture, Isaiah 10, 27. It says, and it shall be in that day, his burden shall turn away from your, off your, on your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Okay, so this anointing that we're talking about, he said believers can lay hands on the sick. There is a flow of the life of God that comes from heaven. It's like a river. It flows out of heaven and it flows down to the earth. And the way that this river uh, will not all like not in every situation, because it can come into this river can come into this building and there can be like the Holy Ghost falling in here like a corporate way. OK, and that can and that happens. But then it's also an individual way where each one of us, that river up there flows down to us down here and then it flows back out of us. So Peter and John knew it. They said, such as I have, I give. They knew that there was this river flowing through that that would flow through them. So yeah, you kind of have to settle that with yourself. There's a river that flows through me. I have something to give. And you can sit down with somebody and then you can start ministering to them because you have something to give. Okay. And uh, I like I like this um, scripture right here, Mark chapter five, because you can see you can see if you can get it over to people that there's somebody on the earth that has something to give. It causes expectancy in people. And I don't mean like emotions. It's a knowledgeable expectancy. okay? an expectancy that comes from knowledge. Not just a pump up emotional kind of thing, but Mark five twenty three. Look at it says uh, he, this, this guy. It says he's begging Jesus earnestly, saying, "My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live." You see that there's a knowledgeable expectancy. In other words, there is a knowledge that leads to this kind of talk. They said, "Well." I know, Jesus, if you could get to the house and you could lay hands on her, that if you get your hands on her, she will live. Okay? So, I mean, question, can you see yourself like laying? Do you uh, believe that you have that flowing through you? Okay? So that would be if you decide that you're going to minister, because this is healing school. So I take it like this is a place to equip believers so they can, can do it. But then this is also a place where somebody that's sick can be healed both ways. Okay, so if you 
are here and you're not sick tonight, I assume that you're here because you want to be equipped and learn how to minister healing. Okay, and if that's the case, you have to get to this place where you believe that you have an anointing that flows through you, and then you have to be able to communicate that anointing to others that where they actually then, when you're communicating it to them, they'll, they'll actually think, please lay your hand on me. Please lay your hand on me. Because I know if you lay your hands on me, God's power is going to go into me. Okay? And that's what you see here. You see that people wanted Jesus to lay hands on them because they believed that something would flow through him into them. Now, here's, here's a thought here. In the hometown of Jesus, he couldn't do a mighty work. Okay? So I always say it this way. I've said it for years. There's a fine line between having miracles and not. And part of that thing that makes the fine line is the fact that sometimes people, uh, they don't see who you really are. And if somebody doesn't see who you really are and they can't believe what you have, it affects what they can get from you. Okay? And when that happens, you know, why go against the grain? You know, what basically Jesus did, he marveled at their unbelief, but what did he do? He, he decided to get hateful and talk about them. No, it said he went about the villages and taught. Because why? Teaching is a good cure for unbelief. Okay? And so, you know, uh, those of you that have been part of this church for a while, and, I, and I, I know, I'm saying this after being in this for 30 plus years, and I know it happens to me, and sometimes all I can do is fix it by teaching. But you get around somebody for a long enough time and you take them for granted, and you uh, maybe get familiar with them, and you kind of forget that there's like power that flows through them. You know, and you can get that back if you decide to. Okay? Uh, but that's what happened with Jesus. He grew up in the town, they all knew who he was, and, you know, it, it, he couldn't do a mighty work there. So, you know, it isn't, it's such a thing that sometimes somebody's personality could rub you the wrong way. And if you can't deal with that, it makes it hard for you to receive from that person. But that can be the same thing if you're the one ministering. And that's really why I wanted to say that. You understand that you might start to think, I'm going to start doing what he's talking about. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. Well, just know this. If you lay hands on the sick and somebody isn't healed right away, it isn't. It doesn't mean that there isn't power flowing through you. They might be dealing with something they have to fix. There could be a lot of different things going on there. But don't don't quit. Don't stop doing it. Because why? Because while well, Jesus Himself said that believers will lay hands on the sick, and when they do that, the sick shall recover. And I can't find still any scriptures after 30 plus years that says, well, sometimes there's not power that comes out of your hands. I can't find that anywhere. There's, all, there's always power coming through the hands. I, I remember uh, we're both friends with, uh, we're all friends with Doug Jones. And I don't know if he's ever been here to minister today, you know who Doug Jones is. So Doug Jones went to do a healing conference one time. And the very first night of the healing conference, when he, people came up to have hands laid on, the first guy that he laid hands on fell dead. Fell dead. 
Now, you know, the devil will do anything to try to stop the healing conference. So you know what Doug did? I know it sounds cold. He said, next. Now, they, somebody did call an ambulance and they did come and get the guy. But he did not. He said he wasn't going to let the devil stop him. And, and so, like, you can have maybe the first time you decide you're going to minister and then you lay hands on somebody. Uh, I'm not saying they'll fall dead, but they don't get healed. So you think, well, maybe I don't have power flowing through me. Well, the, Doug didn't think that. <laughs> and so you, you have to believe what the Bible says about your hands. And that's what Peter and John, they, the Peter and John believe what the Bible said about not only their hands, they believe that what the Bible said about what comes out of their mouth. Okay? So, you know, you, you get God's word in your mouth and you say God's word, it's like God's saying his word because it's his word and you put it in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. So when you speak to sickness and disease, you have to believe what you say and what's coming out of you. You have to believe that that has an effect. You have to believe it's powerful. Okay? The same thing with your hands. Okay? So let's just like, uh, like just look a few more scriptures here. Like, here's the last scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 40. And here's why I want to show you this scripture. Luke 40, Luke 4, I'm sorry, in verse 40. Luke 4, 40. It says, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now, there's a reason I wanted to show that, okay? Because what that tells me is Jesus, our Lord, who, who is the teacher, okay, he's our teacher. And so our teacher and our Lord showed us that laying on a hands was important. Because he laid hands on every single one of them. All right? And so he went about teaching, preaching, and healing but most of the time, the way the healing happened was that he dispensed it and distributed it by the laying on of hands. Even the Great Commission includes the laying on of hands. Okay? And so actually, if you want to really talk about doctrine, the six basic doctrines of the church, one of in, included in the six basic doctrines is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And doctrine means a system of teaching. So there is actually a system of teaching in the Bible about the laying on of hands. Isn't that amazing? And so we, you know, you can't escape it. I, I've heard when I was a younger Christian, I heard certain evangelists and sometimes evangelists, they're excited, but they don't really read the Bible and all the, you know, they don't know all the scriptures. So there was this like really uh, guy really pumped up and emotional. And he said, there's coming a day when you, there's coming a day that you'll never lay hands on people because we're going to come into the church and the power is going to fall down. And, and everyone's going to be healed. And there's not going to be any big eyes and little U's that God's going to do it that way. And it really sounded good. But then when you read the Bible, you thought, why didn't God do it with Jesus? I mean, he was a little better than all of us, wasn't he? Why is there the doctrine of the laying on of hands? Why didn't God, re why didn't God know that? Why did he put the doctrine of the laying on of hands in there? Why did he say teach on it? Why did he put it in the Great Commission? So you can see, like, you got, you got to read the whole Bible, you know? And so why am I saying this? Because while well, as a Christian, you, you just might as well accept it. You are called to lay hands on people. 
We're called to lay hands on people. We, we can't get away from it. It's part of the Great Commission. It's, it's a, there is a system of teaching on it. It's a doctrine. And, it, and so the, the best thing that you can do is get to a place where you know that, first of all, if you're, if you're going to be the one that ministers, you get to this place where you see your hands as holy. The Bible says lift up holy hands. Like, right, Amy, now, look at your hands right now. Look at both of your hands and say, my hands are holy. Now, if you're not a Christian, they're not. But if you're a Christian, your hands are holy. Okay? Let's say this, say, power flows through my hands. And, and, and you know, you get to a place where you start believing that. Um, we, we um, you know, we have this lady at our church, because pastors can't do everything, but we're excited to have this lady. I was telling Pastor Mike about it on the way to church tonight. You know, she takes a team out every other week. We call it the go team. And they've knocked on every door in our suburb uh, where the church is. And th- she takes these people and, you know, she just gets them ready to share the gospel. Then she gets them ready to pray and lay hands on people. But we have church members that go out every other week on a Saturday morning. You know, like I say, I couldn't do it. I can't do everything. And if she wasn't there, and I'm just pr- believing that, you know, she's 65 years old. I'm believing she's training up some younger people to take her place, you know, uh, because we want it all the time to go on. But you got church members knocking, knocking on doors, uh, sharing the gospel with people. And then there's sick people in the house and they're laying hands on people. And we got all kind of testimonies of people being healed. Okay. And, and I remember uh, this story that Kenneth Hagin told about this lady in Texas. Okay. And this lady in Texas, uh, she, she was known in, a, I don't know, the, the mile radius was something like 50 or 100 mile radius of where she lived. But it's like when there were sick people in that area, they didn't even always call for the pastors. They called for this lady. So Kenneth Hagin asked one pastor, does she have a call to preach from a pulpit? The pastor said, not that I can tell. She's a Christian and she's just doing what the Bible says she can do. She's going house to house. She'll knock on the door. And the way that she got in, she would say, is there any sick people in the house? And if they say they're sick people, she'd say, can I pray for them? She didn't say like, I'm going to share script." scriptures. But then if they let her in, she'd sit down and then she would open her Bible and give them a few scriptures, explain some things to them, lay hands on them. And so many people got healed. She had a reputation. that was like something where a 50 or a hundred mile radius in a place in Texas there. So, you know, like you might say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any purpose. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus said the same work, the, the works that I do, you'll do too. There's purpose right there. You know, I think my wife said a long time ago uh, something that uh, that never left me. I know she said it. I don't know why I said it. I think she said it. But she said a Christian that says they're bored really doesn't know God and, or, and what they have in God because Christians should never be bored. Okay, because there's just a whole world of stuff we can be doing. There's a, there's a whole world of purpose, you know, uh, and so you don't have to be bored, okay? So here's one last thing about the laying on of hands, okay? <clears throat> and this is something that I learned from Kenneth Hagin, and I'm so thankful. He said this about the laying on of hands. He said, it's done in obedience to God, and as we obey Him, the law of contact and transmission is in operation. So laying on of hands is done... The Bible says the the believers will lay hands on sick. So it's done in obedience to God. 
and as we lay and as we obey him, there's a law of contact and transmission that goes into operation. And then he would always explain it. He would say, the contact of my hands transmits God's healing power into the sick body. Okay? So that's for all believers. The contact of your hand on a sick person will transmit God's healing power into that sick person. And really, that's why Jesus had such an effective ministry because, you know, sometimes it's a momentum thing and there was quite a bit of momentum that started that everybody was saying Jesus was anointed. Everyone was saying Jesus was anointed. And so they always said he's anointed. Well, when they, when they were saying he's anointed and then they added on and whoever touches him or if he touches you or you touch him, that anointing and that power goes into you, that thing started to build momentum. And everybody was expecting and they were trying to get to Jesus and touch him. So I'll say this, you know, just think about a church full of people that start talking that way. Okay? Just think about that, saying, saying you know, that we have God's power in our church. People that walk into our church are healed. Uh, our, anybody in our church, if our pastor lays hands on people, if our pastor lays hands on you, he's anointed, and the power of God goes out of him and into you, you'll be healed. Uh, if our church, anybody in our church lays hands on you, we have power flowing through us. You know, when we lay hands on people, God's power is transmitted into them. Just think about that, because that's what was going on when Jesus walked on the earth. And that's why it started to build and build and get bigger. So, you know, instead of sitting around waiting for something to happen, we can all like get up and start and start obeying God and see things happen. Okay? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for everyone here tonight, hungry people, Lord, with sweet spirits in this place. And I thank you, Father, that they desire so much to do your works. And Father, uh, for anybody that's here tonight, that has any kind of sickness or pain in their bodies, Lord, we especially, Lord, want to think and focus in on that right now. And Father, I taught and I preached tonight that believers can lay hands on the sick. And so tonight we want to give you an opportunity to do and to, uh, to perform and confirm your word because signs will follow your word. And so we thank you, Father God, that we are able now to be doers of what we heard tonight. And so, Father, I thank you, first of all, that you prepare people's hearts. Uh, Father, help them to receive. And I, I know, Father, faith comes by hearing, so I know that's already done. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're just making things real to people on both sides. I thank you that if there's anybody with pain or sickness in their body, that you're making it real to them right now, uh, that laying on a hands will cause power to go into them, that they're able to receive that, that faith came into their heart. I thank you for the believers here tonight that are going to lay hands on their fellow believers, that they have confidence and they believe that faith came into their heart and they can believe that they got power flowing out of their hands tonight. And I ask and request that in Jesus' name. Now, I just want to just look around uh, right now. If you have any pain or sickness in your body, we're going to let God confirm that, but we're going to do it this way. 
I didn't think, I actually thought I was going to lay hands tonight. And then as I got preaching, it kept going to the believers doing it. And I had that, I didn't have that in here in my notes. And so I believe God wants to do it that way and, and that he wants the believers to get up and do it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, you can just stay in your chair and stay seated. If you have any pain or sickness in your body, slip your hand up. And then we're going to get a couple believers around you to put, lay hands on you right there. So you keep your hands up. Now, believers, uh, I want you that are around these, get, we need two or three people on each one. So you guys uh, keep your hands up and then believers get around these. And then I'm going to lead you. I, I'm, we're going to uh, also speak and use our authority and say some things. So as soon as you get around those that have their hands up, we're going to say some, some things together, okay? So let's. Does everybody with a hand up have somebody there? So it just helps to say this. You that have your hands up, I want you to say this. You that have your hands up, say this together. Let's all say it together and help them. We'll do it together. But say this, say, when hands are laid on me, God's power is going to come into my body. It's healing power. It will undo the work of the devil. And it will bring wholeness and life into my body. And I shall be healed when hands are laid on me. Now, those of you that are laying hands, say this, say, when when I lay hands on these people... Power will flow through my hands. Healing power will flow into my, into their bodies. So let's, so you're already doing it. So let's just do this right now. Let's, let's say it. Let's say this together. The power of God is going into these that have their hands up, causing a cure, bringing wholeness, driving out sickness, driving out disease bringing about complete wholeness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I believe that. And we've heard some wonderful testimonies. We've done it this way before. And we've seen significant miracles happen with the believers doing this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So we will just thank God for that. And um, I have one more thing to do. So is you guys can find your way back to your seats and, and you that had hands laid on you, will say a few things here. But before I pass it back to Pastor Mike, I, I want to refer back to where I started tonight when I told you about how I grew up in a large Italian Catholic family. And there came a day that somebody told me that unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And I, I, I don't like leaving any service without making sure people have this opportunity. If you're with us tonight and you've never had the opportunity to confess Jesus as your Lord. And I'm going to make it clear. I was in church every Sunday. And we had this thing called the act of contrition in the Catholic church. Anybody else grew up Catholic? 
You know what I'm saying about the act of contrition. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in His only begotten Son. Listen, I said that every single week because we, we weren't allowed to miss church. You know, like Christians today that believe in healing, they don't come to church if they have the flu. My parents made us go to church if we had the flu. They were like, they were hardcore. I hardly missed a Sunday for 23 years. You almost had to be dying not to go to church with my parents. And I said the act of contrition every single week, and I did not know Jesus. You know why? Because you just grow up from a little child, and it's just a habit. It, you, you, don't, you don't really say it with your heart. You don't, it doesn't come from your heart. So it's just like it's something you do. And, and for me, in my case, it was like, can't wait. It was such a boring service, you just couldn't wait for it to get over. So after saying it for 23 years, I never knew Jesus. He was not my Savior, and I didn't have a personal relationship with Him. Okay? And so, what am I saying? It doesn't matter if you grew up in church. What matters is, have you ever confessed Jesus as your Lord, and when you did it, did you really mean it? Did you do it from your heart? That's the question. And so I don't like to dismiss any service without giving everybody an opportunity to do that. So I'm going to just ask everybody to close your eyes for just a couple seconds, just to make it easy. And I want to give this invitation. If you're here tonight and you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, you don't have that personal relationship with him, I'm going to give you the great opportunity to raise your hand and say, Pastor Tony, I've never confessed Jesus as my Lord, but I want to do that tonight. I want to accept him as my Lord. I'm going to look around before I pass it back to Pastor Mike to make sure that everybody sitting in this room is born again and they know Jesus. Now, sir, are you worshiping the Lord or are you raising your hand? Are you just worshiping the Lord? Are you wanting, you're want, you raise your hand because you, you want to get saved tonight? Glory to God. Glad to hear that. Is there anybody else that wants to join him? Say, Pastor Tony, I want to get saved tonight. I want to make Jesus my Lord. It's the best thing you'll ever do. I can say that. Just look around, give you an opportunity. Don't let fear stop you. Hey, I had the fear thing and I, I was afraid to do this, but I'm glad I broke through the fear thing and, and I, I responded and got saved. Just looking around here. If you're wondering, should I do it? The answer is yes. It's always yes. Just a little thought here. If you could just keep your eyes closed. This Lou Shabu guy, you know, he said something to me that made me, sobered me up. He said, the first night I went to the Bible study, he said, what if you got in a car accident on your way home tonight? Where would you go? And of course, I knew I'd go to hell. I didn't get, I, 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 I couldn't get that out of my mind that you can get in a car accident and get killed and go to hell and burn in hell forever. And it was just right at your fingertips. It was right at your fingertips. All you had to do was say yes and could have got saved. So I'm going to just look around one more time to make sure. And if anybody's here, and you say, Pastor Tony, I want to make sure that I don't have that happen, that I have heaven for sure. I'm just looking around. One last time.
Okay. Now I'm going to lead. And I'll just make it even easier. Maybe some, some, some maybe somebody's uh, afraid to put your hand up. You should. Well, let's all say this prayer together. Then Pastor Mike's coming. And then, sir, um, somebody in the church will find you to help you later. Okay. But let's say this together. Um, if you pray this and believe it with your heart, whether you raise your hand or not, you can get saved if you didn't raise it. Okay. So, so let's uh, close our eyes and we'll say this together for this gentleman here. We're going to pray this together with you, sir. And if you uh, pray this with us from your heart and your mouth, you'll be saved tonight. Okay. And anybody else that should have raised their hand, that includes you. So let's say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. You died for me. You loved me. Thank you for that love. I confess you right now. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. I call you Lord. I thank you for saving me. You're welcome in my heart now. Take take my heart. I give it all to you. Because you love me, I can love you now. Amen. And so you you understand that the Bible simply says if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You know, and and so if you did that tonight, you're saved, okay? So Pastor Mike's coming. And uh, don't forget that you're ministers of the gospel.